This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking, I mean, we've been all over the map tonight. Got the Jets stuff with the quarterback situation, the Knicks, and how stinky hot they've been for the last couple of weeks. And they'll take on a Charlotte Hornets bunch coming up tomorrow night at MSG before they head out west. And talking Giants here a little bit because tomorrow's the day where the franchise tag has to be either placed on Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley or nobody at all. But you figure it's going to be targeted to at least one member of the New York Giants. You know, I, I brought up Geno Smith a couple of minutes ago. And let's just for a second reflect on that because I mean weird things happen in sports weird things happen in life but weird things happen in sports that we just have no no idea that that could even be possible full disclosure I thought Seattle Seahawks before the season were going to be one of the three four worst teams in the sport and do you remember when training camp opened that they had an open competition at quarterback between Geno Smith and Drew Locke, who they acquired in that Russell Wilson trade from the Denver Broncos, right? And the fact that they were going to go into the season with one of those two guys as a starting quarterback basically told me that, you know what? Seattle has identified the fact that their future quarterback is not on their roster, and they're really, in an inadvertent way, Going to try to get their next quarterback in the college draft for 2023. And whether that was, you know, Bryce Young or, you know, C.J. Stroud or Will Lev, whoever. Whoever the top quarterbacks were going to be. Remember, at that point, you still didn't know who those guys were going to be. But I thought they were going to be in a position to get one of those guys because I thought they'd be terrible. Well, what happened? Seattle had a really good draft class. Kenneth Walker, among others. The corner as well. You know, there were a couple of guys, both corners. Offensive linemen, they had, they, they had a real good draft class. Made the playoffs this year. And it was all with Geno Smith conducting the offense. And he won comeback player of the year. He put up major numbers. So make a long story short, if you would have told me back in August that we'd be sitting here the first week of March talking about 32-year-old Geno Smith getting a three-year, $105 million contract with $52 million bucks going his way in the first year, I would have thought you were crazy. I would have had you drug tested. I would have had you removed by security. And probably, you know, put in a jacket and off to someplace with padded walls. I, I wouldn't have believed you for, I don't care how much money you would have thrown my way. So it's a testament to him. And we know that he's had a crazy trajectory and a crazy path to his career which started here with the Jets, ended because of a punch to the face by his teammate. And he's, you know, moved around. He was a journeyman, whether it was the Giants and then getting caught up in that whole Eli thing and then the Chargers and, you know, on and on and on and then to Seattle. And he thought that he would just be a career backup more than anything else. Well, now it's his team. And look, he ain't going to be the guy there for another 10 years. This is probably going to be the last contract that he signs of, like, crazy money, but he still got one. And we didn't even know if that was going to be in the cards for a guy like Geno Smith. So, you know what? Seriously, congrats to Geno. He worked as you-know-what off. He played good ball. Now, I'm not going to sit here and go all in and believe deep down that he's got another one of these seasons in him, but we'll see, right? You never know. But what it goes to show you is, is that Quarterbacks, they come in all shapes and sizes, all different parts of their careers. 
You don't necessarily have to sell out for the number one pick in the draft. You don't have to have the guy that makes the most money. You could still win. You could still be effective. But what I like about this deal for Seattle is Seattle realizes that they're not a finished product because they got exposed in the playoffs when they went toe-to-toe with San Francisco. And they realize we got to close the gap with that team, among others. Forget about Philadelphia. And with this contract, it gives Seattle the flexibility to go out there and continue to surround Geno Smith with talent. Because, look, Geno Smith was not going to have the type of year that he had if they didn't go out there and have an infusion of talent, especially with the youth. And you have to get more of it. And John Schneider knows that. John Schneider built a championship team once upon a time with the Seahawks. And Pete Carroll as well. So if you use that as a gauge to what the Giants could potentially do here with Daniel Jones. 35 million bucks. All right. I think that's fair. I think that's more than fair. But everything that we've been told and everything that we believe about Daniel Jones is he's getting a contract with a four in front of it. And he's getting $40 million a year. I mean, that's that that, that that's crazy talk. I know that's what the going rate is for a quarterback in the NFL, especially a starting quarterback and a a guy that took his team to the playoffs and all that stuff. But here's the thing about Daniel Jones. Much like Geno Smith, Daniel Jones needs help. He ain't a guy like Patrick Mahomes, like Aaron Rodgers, like Tom Brady when he was still playing. Maybe playing again. We'll get into that. You know, Joe Burrow, the elite of the elites, that could just go out there and say, all right, kid, throw the ball 40, 50 times, take us to victory. He needs some help around him. He needs some supporting cast, and he didn't have that this past year. Think about how much better he could be. Remember, Brian Dayball and Joe Shane, they know that answer better than we do. They're there every day. They see the practice. They see the meetings. They break down that film Like it's the secret of life. They know everything, what this guy can and cannot do. Because you know what? If they didn't think he could do it, if they didn't think that he would be the guy to ultimately get this team back to a Super Bowl, they're not having these discussions right now. Joe Shane's not sitting there at the facility in East Rutherford having dinner and having, you know, Subway takeout with Daniel Jones representatives from Athletes First. It's not happening. But they think that he could be the guy. Well, I got news for you. Whether he is or he isn't, and I think he's a good quarterback. But if the Giants are going to get to that next level, quarterback's got to be more productive than he was last year. They'll be the first ones to tell you that. You know what? I'm telling you, too. You got to get with some more help for him. And the quarterback himself has to know that also. It's nice to get money. It's nice to maximize your value and your worth and all those type of things. But Daniel Jones has to be smart, and he's a Duke guy for crying out loud. He's got to be smart enough to recognize that if I want to reach my peak and I want to be mentioned in the same category as those upper echelon elite quarterbacks in the league, I got to start producing. You know, 15 touchdown passes is nice. Winning games is nice. But if I want to get paid top, top, top dollar one day, I got to be even better than this. So how do you go about getting better than this? Well, how about getting some playmakers? Giants thought they had a guy in Kenny Galladay. You know what? They cut him to the curb, as they should have, because he didn't do anything for two years. And that was a Dave Gettleman mistake. You can't throw that on Joe Shane. Can't. But Joe Shane cut his losses when he saw fit and realized this ain't working out. Let's get guys in here who are going to be able to make it happen. Hell, 
They re-signed Isaiah Hodgins. Hodgins was a guy that they took a flyer on last year, and they said, you know what? This guy made some plays. He produced. Let's keep him around for a little bit. Great. But you can't stop at Isaiah Hodgins, can you? No. He got the draft. He got free agency. And it's all to make your quarterback better. Now, you got a running back, too, who's really important to this team. A running back who might be the most influential voice in that room. He's the face of the team. But he's not the quarterback. Right? He's a running back. And that makes it even trickier because how do you go about satisfying him? (laughs) You can't pay a running back, can you? No. It's 2023. What are you going to pay a running back? What is this, the, the 80s, the 90s? No. This isn't Nintendo. This is NFL. You can't draft a running back second overall, which they did. But again, that was the other guy that did it. And Saquon's been good. This past year was as important for the Giants with him as it was to what the quarterback did. And remember, the first, I would say, up until early November, he was the best player on the team. He was the engine that made that offense go. Then he went through a little bit of a dip, remember? And, you know, maybe the injuries caught up to him a little bit. And then he wasn't the guy. The offense wasn't necessarily going through him. And that's when the quarterback, I thought, played better. And that's when he was asked to do more. And that's when, you know, you started to see somebody who maybe came of age just a little bit. And you were like, all right, now I get it with this guy. Maybe not sixth overall, but I could see what the other guy saw in him when he turned in the card and couldn't wait to turn in the card. I wouldn't mind franchising Saquon Barkley. 24 hours from now, if we find out that he's the guy that got the tag for the Giants, great. But... The way things are going right now, it seems like the quarterback is going to get it, which means $32.4 million. Now, that's a placeholder. That buys you time. They're going to have until the middle of July to be able to work out something long-term. It's not like Daniel Jones is going to not show up to OTAs or the offs. I mean, that's not, that's not the way he's wired. So he's not going to use that as some sort of a deterrent or be somebody who's divisive to the team. No. But that just seems like that's the way the wind is blowing right now for the Giants. They've tried real hard to get something done. Jones and his representatives and athletes first see things one way, Giants see it another way. It's important, though, and I can't stress this enough, if you're Joe Shane and you're the Giants, not that he needs me to tell him this, but you got to stick to your guns. And you can't just overpay somebody because he's popular, because the owner likes him, because the fans like him. That's not the way you build a championship team. Sometimes you have to make tough decisions. But both of these guys here are in their primes, entering their primes. Maybe the quarterback should have a longer shelf life because running backs get beat up a little bit more. And it'd be great to bring both of them back. But if you're Joe Shane, you have to find a way to not only get both of these guys back, if that's how you see fit, but it's bring both of these guys back and then what? And you can't stop there. Because just having Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley on the Giants in 2023 and beyond... Well, what did you do? How did you get better? How did you close the gap on Philadelphia? To when if you have to play them again in the playoffs, they don't bash your heads in and run circles around you. Not to mention you got other holes to fill on this football team. Like, oh, by the way, you're going to find some linebackers, right? you got a defensive tackle who making a lot of money, Leonard Williams. Then you got another one who you got to make sure you lock up him long-term, too, because he's actually your best player on defense. Tricky part of being a GM, and I keep saying it, guys. We're going to know more 
about the type of guy the Giants have in that seat over the next few months. Now he gets to roll his sleeves up. Now you're going to find out what type of a GM he is. 800-919-3776, what would you do? You know all the information. We've talked about this thing backwards and forwards. You're the Giants. You're Joe Shane. What do you do? How hard of a stance do you draw right now with Daniel Jones, with Saquon Barkley? We'll also get into some baseball matters, too, and potentially a concerning injury issue cropping up for the New York Mets. Dan Gross' show, we go to the top of the hour right here on 98.7 ESPN. I would have had you removed by security. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Furman's going to the NCAA championships. They are the Southern Conference champions. They get some revenge against Chattanooga. That was the highlight they were playing earlier where I thought it was happening live. Chattanooga beat him on the buzzer last year in the final to win the tournament. Uh, and they get the revenge this time around. So Furman going dancing. The Paladins, which is, I guess, some sort of a knight, right, or something, I mean, based on what the logo is. They could have just been called the Knights or the Crusaders or something like that. Whatever. But I don't make these names up. They never ask me. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Um, so baseball is here, technically, right? We got another month before this thing starts for real, March the 30th. Actually, not even a month. It's about three and a half weeks. Hi, go Mets! Yay! <laughs> What was that from? <laughs> I said that? Apparently. App- apparently, yeah. I mean, we don't go into like a, a, a sound recording room and, and just, you know, record these things dry. I mean, it actually happens over the course of a show. Would you like to hear it again? Sure. Hi, go Mets! Yay! We'll have it ready because I'm going to deliver some news about the Mets because, you know, everything is hunky-dory in Metland. And now they're dealing with their first kind of injury issue of spring training. And I, I, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Okay, because Steve Cohen spent a lot of money this offseason. He's got more money than anybody in the sport. And when I looked at the Mets for the upcoming season, on paper, the thing that I kept coming back to and saying to myself is, did the Mets actually get better? Or did the Mets essentially just kind of stay status quo? Which is not a bad thing. 
right? You win 101 games. I mean, there's a lot worse places you could be than being a 101-win team and coming this close to winning your division. But when they got to October, they never even made it out of the first round. So that stings. But I looked at this roster and I said, well, going into the offseason, the offense was something that I thought needed bulking up. They tried, right? I mean, they, they thought they had a deal done with Carlos Correa. Remember, the Mets were the second team to sign Carlos Correa to a contract this offseason. And they thought this one was actually going to stick until it didn't. And now Carlos Correa is in Minnesota. So they swing and miss there. But nobody else from a lineup standpoint, unless you count, you know, Omar Narvaez behind the plate. And, you know, we're not talking about Johnny Bench that they acquired or Mike Piazza in his prime. That's going to impact the offense. So what are they doing? Not much. You better hope that Starling Marte stays healthy. They can, Remember, they gave Brandon, they brought Brandon Nimmo back. They spent $160 million to bring Brandon Nimmo back because they needed him. Imagine how much worse the offense would be if you didn't have Nimmo at the top of it. Okay, so there's that. Bullpen, all right, they brought in a couple of arms. I kind of like what they did there. But you're also then assuming that Edwin Diaz is going to have as good of a year as he did last year, which is almost damn near impossible. So there has to be some sort of a natural drop-off with him, right? I mean, just even ever so slightly, he can't be as great as he was last year. So then you look at the pitching staff. And I know about DeGrom, and I know that he's always hurt. But when he's pitching, he's the best pitcher in baseball. He walks. Taiwan Walker, who I liked. I know that he was a tale of two halves, and he would have great first halves, and then after the All-Star break, he'd be a different pitcher. I get it. But I like Taiwan Walker. He's a bulldog. Chris Bassett. I know he didn't pitch a great last game in the playoffs against San Diego. He walked like 500 guys, but I like Chris Bassett. I see. Uh-huh. All those guys gone. You replaced them with Justin Verlander, who takes the DeGrom spot, who, you know, reigning Cy Young Award winner, Hall of Famer, first ballot, all those things, but he's 40. He's 40. You replace Bassett with Kodai Senga. Hot shot from Japan. The ghost forkball, a lot of money, right? There were a lot of teams that wanted him, bidding for his services, but you got him. You gave him the biggest check, and he decided he wants to come to New York. But we don't know how good he's going to be. Never done it here before. I don't care what the hell he was doing in Japan. What's he doing here? And then Jose Quintana, who was that third starter that you brought in. He was going to take, you know, Walker's place, essentially, even though he's a lefty. I said then... And I'll say it again. I'm not a Jose Quintana guy. I'm not. Haven't been. Jose Quintana has not had a... Last year he had a good season. And I say a good season. He was with the Pirates. Because remember, he began the year with the Pirates. When you're on the Pirates, you're basically just looking to stick around in the big leagues. That's what happens. When you're his age, and he was already, what, 33 years old, somewhere around there last year? 33-year-old pitcher who's battled injuries, battled a lack of success, ineffectiveness. When you're 33 and you want to be a starter, chances are you have to go to a place like Pittsburgh because they'll take anybody. I try every day. And he pitched good enough to where... St. Louis actually traded for him at the deadline last year, and then he went to the Cardinals, and he was okay. All right, so that being said, last year was the one season probably since, gosh, 
2016, somewhere around there, that Jose Quintana was actually a good pitcher and a guy that you would want on a championship team. Like once upon a time, he when he was on the White Sox, he was this guy that everybody was going to trade for at the deadline. Everybody was going to go get him. Jose Quintana, Jose Quintana, that's all you heard about. So it was a long time in between really having good seasons. I didn't like the move. I really and truly did not. Did not think this one was going to pan out. Well, guess what, guys? He's got a stress fracture of his rib. A little stress fracture action. Yay! Well, timetable is anywhere from six weeks to two months of rest in most cases. He's coming back to New York, going to get more testing. He can't rub some dirt on that. That's got to heal on its own. Chris Sale, the off-injured pitcher of the Boston Red Sox, who once was pretty good until he started getting hurt. But Chris Sale last year had a stress fracture in the old ribby. That happened in spring training, and he did not commence a rehab start until June. Yay! So one of the Mets acquisitions of the offseason, a guy that they're counting on, expecting him to fill an important role in that rotation, you're probably not going to see him unless something changes here or they misread the uh, MRI or whatever. You may not see him for a couple of months. And that's not the way you want to begin a tenure. So that means, David Peterson, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Tyler McGill, whoever's name you want to throw into the mix. But you brought Quintana in here to actually be a guy who's going to go out there and make 30 starts for you. You know, give you 160-plus innings, give or take somewhere around there. Now you're not going to have that. You can throw that out the window. Not the way you want. Remember, and, 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 how about this? He was supposed to go pitch in the WBC. That was the original plan for Colombia. Can you imagine if he went off to the WBC? Because reporting day is tomorrow, by the way, for all these teams that are going to go play in the WBC. Imagine if he went off to go play for Colombia. And then you find out about this stress fracture in the rib when he's playing with Colombia. That would have drove you off the wall. At least with me, because I don't want to know any part of this WBC. The fact that you got guys on my team, your team, whoever's team, that are getting paid tens of millions of dollars by the organizations are going to go play in, in, in some silly Fugazi wannabe World Cup soccer tournament for baseball, and they do what they're in spring training, where they're not even going to be using the same rules that they're going to be using for Major League Baseball. And, oh, by the way, there's a threat of injury. I hate that. So that's the only saving grace, potentially, that it didn't happen in the WBC. So the Mets are out Quintana. Joe, now you can play that drop again about the Mets. Hi, go Mets, yay! Ain't going to be cheering for Jose Quintana, that's for sure. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Don't worry, we'll give the Yankees some equal value, too. We'll talk about them when we return. And, and, boy, do I got a crazy... Rumors share with you. I mean, you thought you heard them all, but this one takes the cake. Dan Gross, the show till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, go Mets, yay! Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Celtics and Cavaliers are going overtime, tied at 109. I don't know, look, I don't know how the Celtics are doing this. Remember, they're down Tatum, Williams, and Horford, who didn't play tonight. Played two overtimes last night against the Knicks. Had to travel, for crying out loud. And now they're going to have to play an extra session here to see if they can get the better of the Cavaliers. Wouldn't you know it, Donovan Mitchell, the high man with 38 so far for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yankees, uh, Judge hit a home run tonight. Monster shot early in the game. They played the Pittsburgh Pirates, so that was good to see. First home run of the spring for uh, Mr. Judge. We saw Cole over the weekend making his first spring start. Here was um, Cole on the Yes Network with Meredith Morakovitz, how he thought about his first performance. Trying to gauge my conditioning level, if there's any adjustments you need to make or different preparations as you continue to progress. And then, yeah, just how are, how are you executing pitches? You know, what was good, what wasn't good, and what's the next step? You also saw Rodon over the weekend getting his first time out there on the mound, and he got hit around pretty good. Uh, wasn't exactly the type of performance that you want to see, but it's spring training. You know, you're just going out there, getting your work in, um, making sure that, you know, you get into that routine. You know, he gave up six hits, five runs, and just two innings of work, but it's more about building up that workload to where the next time he goes out there, you know, maybe you throw another inning or two and, you know, gradually get it up to where once March 30th rolls around, you're going to be in that range where you could throw anywhere from six innings to 100 pitches and that sort of thing. Rodon is so critical for this team. I mean, it really goes without saying, because when you look at this Yankee rotation and what it could potentially be, he was the X factor. The fact that they brought him in, I thought separated this Yankee staff a lot from any of the ones that we've seen really since they won back in 2009. You know, he he could be that big of a boost for them. And the fact that, you know, Frankie Montas is already down for the count and you're probably not going to see him all season it just reinforces how important Rodon is. And then Severino and Cole to be Cole. Cole, you don't got to worry about, though. Cole, look, I know a lot of people like to take shots at Cole. Cole takes the ball every five days. He always has. You know, that's money well spent for the most. Lock it in. Right. Lock it in for Garrett Cole. But it's the other guys that are really going to have to also do their part because I think, you know, there might be some times this year where the Yankees go through some spells offensively like we've seen you know, in past years to where you want to rely on that pitching. And that really is what vaulted the Yankees to championships once upon a time, right? I mean, I know they had great players and this and that, but it was the pitching. Yes, just Mariano Rivera in the bullpen, but that starting staff, I mean, that's why the Yankees were world champs. That was the strength of that club. So nice to see Brian Cashman. Wanting to get back there again? We'll see if it pans out. You know, I, I think the Yankees will be fine. I'd be shocked if they don't win the division. But you got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. And Rodon is one of those guys, certainly, that has to come through for them here. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. And again, you know, with these rules that continue to get rolled out and the pitch clocks and the pace of play, I mean, two-and-a-half-hour games, not exactly the worst thing in the world. Really. 
And I think that for the most part, fans have been receptive to it. I think the people in baseball, the players, the coaches, the managers, staffs, and what they think it's great. You know, this is exactly what it was intended to do. Now, I do think that the games will be a little bit longer than what we've seen so far here in spring training. You know, I mean, like there was one over the weekend. I, I can't remember who was playing, but it was something crazy, like two hours and 18 minutes. I mean, 218 for a baseball game, that's that's unheard of. But they're not going to be that quick during the season because during the season you're going to have more pitching changes. You're going to have more pitching changes, more importantly, in the middle of an inning like you don't have in spring training. Generally in spring training, they're just changing pitchers, you know, at the end of each half inning because they haven't mapped out in advance. They know who's going to pitch, how long they're going to pitch, unless something just crazy happens. More often than not, though, the pitching changes are done in between innings. So that takes some time from the game, whenever you're having to go to the pen and so on and so forth. But, hey, it's a new world, man. You know, this is what fans kind of clamored for. They wanted faster games. They didn't want to be sitting there for three and a half, four hours a night. Remember those old Yankee Red Sox games? It would just be four hours, nine in. I mean, that's preposterous. So I think it'll help. It's an adjustment. It'll take some time getting used to with anything. But the feedback that I've heard so far from people is that it's been generally positive. I'm more geeked up about, forget about the pitch clock. I'm more geeked up about the fact that the shift has been eliminated. Now, you can still shift because what teams are doing now, because the rule is the way that it's written, you have to have at least two infielders on either side of second base. But there are still teams that, for example, you got a left-handed hitter in the batter's box. They'll take the left fielder and they'll drag him all the way over to playing in shallow right field. It's still legal. You still have two fielders on either side of the bag. But now you get that outfielder and you move him around to be able to cover some ground there. So there's going to be some teams that find ways around the rule. And look, the reason that that thing was banned was because you want to be able to increase offense. You want guys on the base paths. You want more base hits. You can't have like just the one, two true outcomes at a baseball game. It's not fun. Fans are kind of completely just tuning out at least not to the extent that baseball was at its peak when it was popular. And this has been something that's evolving over the years and over the decades. This is nothing that just happened like, you know, within the last couple of years. It has been trending in this direction. That is a problem. So we'll see how it is, in, 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 you know, once we play for real. And I think it'll be generally well-received. I, I really and truly do. Now, about that rumor I was telling you. Spent a lot of time here over the last few weeks talking about quarterbacks. More so with the Jets and the Giants. Because the Giants, Giants, we know who the quarterback is. It's going to be Daniel Jones. The question is, is he going to be playing under the franchise tag or is he going to have himself a brand new contract? Aaron Rodgers, Jets are targeting. They missed out on Derek Carr. He went to the Saints. You know, there's a couple of other guys that are potentially there to be had in some capacity. But there's one name that kind of died down a little bit and nobody was talking about because, after all, he said he was done playing, right? And you got to take him at his word. And, of course, we're talking about Tom Brady, right? Called the quits, filmed that video on the beach. I'm done, finished. Imagine if Tom Brady ever came back. Like, what, what would come of all those yo-yos that went on eBay and spent tens of thousands of dollars on the jars of sand that Tom Brady was 
allegedly sitting on when he filmed his most recent retirement video, if Tom Brady ever came back to play football. We're all going to be exposed as frauds. Those that at least paid the money and actually thought that it was legit. Anyway, so Tom Brady, he's retired, right? He can't play. He's done. He's finished, right? Well, guess what? Take a listen to Rich Eisen on the appropriately titled Rich Eisen Show for what he heard at the NFL Combine. Tom Brady may not be done after all. <laughs> what? It's <laughs> a couple people are like, just you, just hang on, just you wait. Wait for and what? I'm like, what I'm, are you I'm, I'm, for? And I'm like, he's Instagramming out videos of his cat. Yeah, you know, trips. Yeah, he was at UFC he over the weekend. I know, but it doesn't look like he's getting uh, big, big and fat, does it? And and that he just let, like let it play out. Let's see who wants what. And and the one place that folks are saying keep an eye out for is Miami. And if the Dolphins cannot somehow, if they get somehow, some way, um, a, you know, a, a doctor's report, a piece of information from a medical evaluation of Tua that he may not be ready to go, and suddenly there's Tom Brady sitting in Florida where his family is located and where he can easily locate himself. Keep an eye on that, I was told by a couple of birdies at the Combine. I mean... You're unbelievable. Do we really have to go down this road again? I, I'll say this, right? Feelings aside for Tua, let's face facts. Just like we were saying earlier in the show about the Knicks, and if somebody like Kevin Durant ever got word out that he wants to play for the Knicks and, you know, the whole Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quigley thing, and I joked, I said, their own families would drive them to the airport if it meant getting Kevin Durant. Tua might be a nice guy, great at parties, all that stuff. If word ever got to Stephen Ross and Mike McDaniel that Tom Brady wanted to play for the Dolphins, Tua would be on the first plane back to Hawaii before he knew it would hit him. He'd get another concussion because they'd have him on a plane so fast he wouldn't know. He'd have, like, whiplash. I mean, he'd be in first class. It would be a nice seat and everything. Peanuts the whole nine yards. But he'd be out of there. Because he'd be foolish not to. It's Tom Brady. Now, if that happens, though, is the whole ownership stake thing back in play for Brady? Because remember, that was the whole scheme that he was conjuring up about maybe going to the Dolphins and he was going to you know, be a part owner and uh, Sean Payton was going to be the head coach, even though Sean Payton's in Denver now, so that won't happen. But you would think that that's all on the table. Would you have to get Brian Flores' blessing, though? Because that was one of the things that was, right, Brian Flores had a problem with it, and that was part of the whole suit that he wanted to throw at the Dolphins and and, and Stephen Ross, and he kind of let the cat out of the bag with that one. Brian Flores is in Minnesota now. Why would he care? Right? Tom Brady's in the AFC. He's, you know, he wouldn't have to see him. Who cares? Go have your peace. You know, one of the things that Rich said there, too, about Brady was that he still looked like he was in good shape and he was still thin. I would think that if you were that strict about your diet, like Tom Brady has, was throughout his career, and that allowed him to play until he was 45 years old, the avocado ice cream, really not eating anything that tastes good. If you are retired, and this is the way that you've been conditioning yourself for the better part of, I don't know if he was like this when he was a rookie. He probably only got heavily into the nutrition stuff maybe like in the last 10 years. If you've even been doing it that long, I mean, I would think that that's tough to abandon just from a day-in, day-out lifestyle if that's been your way of life for a decade. 
Right? I don't think that you can just say, you know what? I'm going, I'm eating the Briars. I'm eating cool. the Ben and Jerry's. I'm eating pizza. I'm going McDonald's. I'm eating all the things that aren't good for you. Because Nutella. Nutella. I haven't even eaten that in 10 years. Right? I have to immediately deviate from that. I have to start acting like a 45-year-old man normally acts and what he would eat. Semi-sweet chocolate morsels. <laughs> Come on, he can't play again, can he? He can't. I'm not, I, I won't believe it. I can't, I, I'm not going there. Because you know something? If Tom Brady comes back to play, my first thought would go immediately to Aaron Rodgers. What would he think? And can you imagine if, like, Tom Brady decides to play while Aaron Rodgers is still twisting in the wind and still doesn't know if he wants to play or not? Which is, I mean, it's a possibility. You can't rule anything out. He ain't play. He can't. I, 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 that's one I will not believe. I would have had you drug tested. Tom Brady is not playing football in 2023. And I can't even say shame on you. On, shame on the Dolphins if they decide to bring him back. I mean, geez, he's Tom Brady. He's Tom Brady. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're rolling until the top of the hour. That is Gordon Larry right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, so what do we have lined up for the rest of the week? Let's see. Um, tomorrow we got the Knicks, so we don't have a show. Wednesday, I'll be in with Bart again from noon to 3. So we'll talk to you Wednesday afternoon. Thursday we have a show because the Knicks are on late. That's when they're out in, out west to play, what, Sacramento Thursday. So we'll have a show leading into the Knicks. And then on Friday we're going to have a show. Full show. I mean, it's it all it, it's all coming together now. I told you, these two weeks are going to be busy. And then Saturday morning, of course, we're going to have our show. Usual at 9 a.m. So, I mean, you got a lot of me over the next several days. And then I think next week is pretty much the same, too, somewhere around that amount of uh, activity on the airwaves. So, good stuff. Uh, we'll uh, get to re-spark re this relationship again, you and I, over the next several days here. That's good. Unfortunately, I got bad news, though. The bad news is that the Celtics could not get it done. They lose tonight. Gave it a good effort in overtime. They fall to the, Celt or they fall to the Cavaliers, 118-114. They played shorthanded. Couldn't get it done. So, Cleveland now is a game and a half up on the Knickerbockers for that fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. And remember, Knicks tomorrow against the Hornets. Coverage begins at 7. Ding bong! More importantly, if you are the Knicks, just win the game. Just take care of business. I don't care if it's by one point, buzzer beater, whatever it takes. Win the game. That would be a horrible loss to bring this nine-game winning streak to a crashing halt. The Hornets aren't any good. They are dreadful. They are an awful basketball team. Okay, don't mess around. Get it done at home. Keep the good vibes going at MSG. Like, that's the other thing that's kind of, like, lost in the shuffle of this winning streak that the Knicks have been on right now. How about the fact that they're winning games at home? Right? Remember early, you know, for much of the season, Knicks were always better away from MSG. And now they've got it together at home to where their records are, like, almost identical. Home and away. And you're saying, great, because you want the Garden to be a special place again. And it's more than just a name. It's got to be a special place 
when teams walk into that building, they have to fear that we're going into a hostile environment, we're playing a good basketball team, and it's not just, hey, roll the ball out on the floor and we're going to walk out of there with a win. It can't be that place anymore. Hopefully the Knicks are you know, working their way towards turning that around. We know that it didn't really pay much dividends for them a few years ago or a couple of years ago when they had that series against the Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs. Even though the place was nuts, but the Knicks just couldn't get it done. So that's tomorrow, Knicks basketball against the Charlotte Hornets. And more importantly, though, with the football, tomorrow's the day for the franchise tag, as we discussed. So we'll finally get our answers. Is it going to be Daniel? Is it going to be Saquon? What is Joe Shane and company going to do with that franchise tag? I seem to think, look, in a perfect world, you want Daniel Jones to get a contract. And then if you have to use the tag, put it on Barkley. In a perfect world. But I don't know if that's going to happen. So... You're asking me to guess 24 hours from now, we're probably looking at a situation where Daniel Jones is franchised. His reps and the Giants are going to continue to talk. They have until the middle of July, and hopefully they could get something done between now and then. Placeholder. That's all it is. So I think that's probably the way that's going to be the reality. But you never know. You know, you can hope for the best. And as far as the Jets are concerned, you got a week. Got less than a week. Free agency. It's going to be a quarterback available, namely Mr. Garoppolo. That if you don't know anything about Aaron Rodgers between now and then, okay, you already lost Derek Carr. You're going to run the risk of potentially losing another guy, and I'm not sitting here trying to equate the two as players or as quarterbacks, but I'll say this. It was just a couple of years ago where Jimmy Garoppolo took his team into Lambeau Field, underdog, in the snow, and went into Lambeau and beat Aaron Rodgers and his team on that Saturday night in the divisional round in the NFL playoffs. Rodgers coming off an MVP season. You don't have to have the better of the two quarterbacks to win a game. It's the better of the two teams that win games. Remember, Eli Manning won the Giants two Super Bowls. Eli Manning, not a better quarterback than Tom Brady. But Eli Manning's teams were better than Tom Brady's teams on those two days, and that's all that matters. So maybe the Jets are confident enough to where they like the talent in that locker room. They like what Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are building and what they're going to continue to build, whether it's free agency, the draft, you name it. And maybe they feel that, yeah, somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo could come in here and with the complement of talent we have around him, that'll be good enough to get us where we want to go. That's if Aaron Rodgers keeps you waiting. Because you can't wait all day. Can't wait all month. I mean, how many more quarterbacks have to come off the list before you tell Aaron Rodgers or, you know, kind of just move on yourself? Say, you know what, thanks. We'll get back to you. We're going to actually go get a quarterback because we're going to try to put a plan in place to win this season. And that's the one thing this team needs more than anything else. And if you're a fan, you would love to be able to get some answers early, but no guarantees. You know how this guy can be. (laughs) You know, we've been sitting here for how long? Waiting and waiting and waiting. So we'll find out, but you're going to get some news on the giant front before you get any Jet quarterback news just because of that deadline tomorrow. So we'll see how it plays itself all out when it's all said and done here. This was a fun show. Had a good time. Remember, we'll do it again on Wednesday. I'm in with Bart from noon to three, so we'll talk to you Wednesday afternoon. Thanks to Julian and thanks to Joe, but I... Gotta have you do me a favor. 
You got to keep it here. Don't say goodbye. Don't turn it off. You got to keep it in because my guys, Gordon and Larry, they're coming on next. And they're going to take you the rest of the night. So you got to listen to them. Where? The only place you should be listening to. 98.7 ESPN. Have yourselves a great night, everybody. Dan Gross is saying so long. We'll talk to you Wednesday at noon. Bye-bye. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>